Hello and welcome to the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. This is your host, Brian Metzer, and it is great to be back with you this week as it is each and every week here on the program. It is the April 19th edition of the show, and we appreciate you being here because we are well into the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Penguins hold a three games to one lead on the Columbus Blue Jackets in their opening round series, and we'll be looking to wrap that one up tomorrow night here in Pittsburgh at PPG Paints Arena, and we'll see if they can't get it done in that big game five. We were all hoping they'd get it done last night, and they weren't able to make it happen, losing five to four to the Columbus Blue Jackets in a game that I'm sure they would love to have a do-over on, but regardless of that situation now, they still have a commanding three games to one lead, and all is right in the world. Before we get into anything else, though, I do want to tell you where you can find this show, uh, as well as all of our other great timesonline.com, uh, you know, just all the work we do, and that's in all the written word, all the podcast, etc. The podcasts can be found at timesonline.com itself. You can find us at iTunes, you can find us at Stitcher Radio, and of course over at SoundCloud. So look us up over there. Simply search Beaver County Times. You can uh, find all the written word over at timesonline.com or on Twitter at timescores. That's where all the links will be sent out to you. You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. And with that, let's jump right into it because we have a lot to get to today on the show. I have an exciting announcement here at the beginning. We're going to be joined by my co-host, or I'm the co-host of Josh. It doesn't matter on Saturdays. We're both sort of there doing the work. Um, But he is the host of everything on the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, hockey network. That is Josh Getzoff. Really uh, looking forward to having him here on the show with me. He's going to join me a little bit later on as he was on his way. Uh, we, we got a chance to talk as he was on his way downtown to talk to the Columbus Blue Jackets players at their hotel. But you know, Josh does a tre- tremendous job with all the pregame, postgame, intermissions, Saturday mornings with me, all the Penguins TV stuff that he does. I talked to him a little bit about some of the things he does for the team, but it's always um, a, a great thrill for me to work with him on the Penguins radio network. We have a blast uh, doing our show on Saturday mornings, and then we sort of hand the baton off for the home intermissions as opposed to the road intermissions, because I do those home ones, as you know, but really uh, had a fun chat with him, which we'll get to here a little bit later on in the show, as as I said, he was getting ready to move on. You can find Josh, I wanted to mention, because I didn't mention it in our interview, on Twitter, at PensJG. And that's where you'll find everything that he does uh, over for the radio network and the team in general and uh, does a just an outstanding job with that, as I said. Now, uh, as far as the Penguins go, not a great game for them in Columbus last night. They found themselves on the wrong side of a 5-4 to four score. Uh, they had a power play opportunity about 17 seconds in, weren't able to capitalize. One of their worst power play opportunities in recent memory, uh, the Blue Jackets would find themselves getting on the board shortly thereafter. I know it was a little ways into the period, but uh, they took full advantage of another strong start and found themselves with a 3-1 to lead before it was all said and done. The Penguins started to claw away at that, got themselves to 3-2, to but the Blue Jackets scored early in the... Um, in the third period, then the Penguins scored, the Blue Jackets scored, they kept exchanging all these goals. Lo and behold, though, the Blue Jackets got the one they needed. It was the fifth goal, and that was the backbreaker because the Penguins got a very late goal from Jake Gensel, but it wasn't enough, and they fell to give them the one game in the series as they held a three-games-to-one lead. So the Penguins, by all accounts, 
have done what they needed to do to win games in this series, but they were stung by another bad start because they've been coming out very slow in the first period of these games for some reason, and it's just not worked very well for them. And uh, that was probably the story of the night because they didn't take advantage of it early. And the the two goals that they ended up allowing uh, in the first period were the ones that seemingly came back to bite them in the backside because if they don't allow those goals they don't end up losing by one at the end of the night because that's the way it all shook out in my mind anyway because the the Blue Jackets, as I said, got goals from uh, Jack Johnson early on and then Josh Anderson. Then the Penguins um, finally got some goals in the second, but not before Nudavara, the young defenseman, got his goal at 448 of the second period. Hornquist and Hainsey score, and then uh, Carlson scores early in the third. Kunockel gets them back within another goal, but then Boone Jenner puts them right back up by two. Jake Gensel's goal, meaningless, late. Now, today, uh, Mike Sullivan met the media, and he had some things to say about it. He said that it really didn't come down to matchups or anything like that. He said you wanted to credit, first of all, the Blue Jackets for the way they played the game, and I thought they did play their best game of the series. They they avoided the physicality. that they Not that they were still physical, don't get me wrong, but I felt like that was the main goal of their approach through the first three games of this series. They were just looking to ram the Penguins through the backboards. And in this game, they actually decided to play some hockey and let their skill take over a little bit. And and they took advantage, full advantage of every mistake that the Penguins made. So Sullivan said, give them credit first of all. But he said, we can be better. That was his pretty much his main um, focus following the game was that we can be better, we know we need to be better, and we will be better moving forward. He said, we've got to have a better start. We've said it before, now we have to act. We have to dictate the terms. Uh, And he says, we can grab momentum by doing that because the momentum swings are so important. They've been there all series long. So we'll, um, we'll see how they approach it for game five on home ice. He held a couple players out, or a couple players weren't on the ice this morning. It was Trevor Daly and Phil Kessel. They joined the other injured players and did not take part in practice. He said it was just the normal bumps and bruises of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Nothing to be too alarmed about. So uh, there you have that. Hopefully they are indeed fine. And then he said um, he was asked if sometimes maybe the offensive players try and push a little too hard or get a little greedy uh, with the offense, he said no. He didn't know that that was a flaw or something that his team was doing wrong. He said they just need to make better decisions. They have offensive instincts, and they need to, um, you know, just focus on making smart plays and making better and and uh, just the correct plays and not trying to force things when they might not be there. But he didn't call them greedy. He said overall he's been happy, but last night just they didn't have much good to bring out of that game. And as you'll hear when I get together with Josh a little bit later, I got his take on if it could have just maybe been a good thing that they lost the game last night because it's you drop one that you should have that you came close to winning, but I think the fact that they did finally lose one of these four games when they weren't really playing their best game in any of the four. This now forced them to take a strong look at themselves and realize that they've got to be better with puck management. They've got to be better with their breakouts. They've got to be better with their zone entries. Uh, enough with the lateral east-west passing at the blue line because Sidney Crosby's doing it almost every single time into the zone, trying to find Jake, uh, feed Jake Gensel or Connor Sheary breaking in. That's not working. The Blue, the, uh, blue Jackets are bird-dogging that and going the other direction. So look for them to get a little better with that moving forward. 
And uh, because of some of those things, they gave up almost double the scoring chances off the rush for the Blue Jackets last night than they did all series long. So uh, they need to really tighten that up moving forward. The um, Blue Jackets, I felt, played a little bit more conservative in terms of the physicality, but they definitely maintained their aggression. Sullivan addressed that today as well, and he, he thinks that's something they're going to continue to do. Now, an interesting nuance here is that uh, John Tortorella said he was talking like a man that was going to be happy with just one win in this series. He goes, I wanted these guys to experience winning a playoff game, to be able to play their post-game music, to be able to have some fun. They did that last night. And then after the game, he talked about it and said, I just wanted them to experience this. So are you saying you're happy with one game? Have you resigned yourself to the fact that maybe you're going to lose this series in five? I don't know. It was kind of an intriguing thing. We'll see if that holds true uh, at moving into game five. But I almost did get that vibe that he was going to be comfortable with using this series as a building block for his young hockey team and uh, take it to be something that they can build upon moving forward. Sidney Crosby, he... Um, was asked about his line, what they did against him that may have worked so effectively. And he said, just in general, for the team, it was more of a lack of that little bit of extra effort that they had throughout the, uh, in other games, it wasn't there last night. So he's hoping they can get that back in game five. He felt they still generated some chances, and you really can't compare things game to game to game. Last night was its own standalone entity, and they just expect themselves to be better as a whole overall. Jake Gensel's been outstanding in this series, by the way. He's been rolling up a lot of goal, uh, a lot of shots on goal. He's now picking up goals like crazy himself, too. He's um, off to what is really probably the best start of any Penguins forward not named Sidney Crosby. Uh, in terms of his pro hockey career. Because if you go back now over the course of his uh, tenure in professional hockey, going back to the start of the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton season, he has now rolled up 81 points and 42 goals in, I believe it's 77 or 78 games now, which is just crazy. So hopefully he keeps going. He scored that goal last night that I told you about, but the line in general has got to tighten it up. I think they will, but Jake Gensel has been awesome. He has 15 shots in the four games this series, 13 of those shots coming in just his last three games. We all know Sid's going to get it going in the right direction. Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel have been outstanding. They've combined for 14 points in the series so far. Brian Rust on the other side of that one has two goals already himself. So uh, we'll see what happens here moving forward. But game five on deck with the Penguins and Blue Jackets uh, starting tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena at 7 p.m. Should be a blast to be around. So be sure to tune in, get your tickets, get down there, do whatever you need to do. Now, without further ado, let's get to our uh, our interview with my good friend Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network. Don't forget, follow him on Twitter at PensJG. And uh, here's my sit down with Josh. And joining me now on the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast, his inaugural appearance here. I'm very much looking forward to bringing him on the show. You hear him on the Penguins pre- and post-game shows. You see him on the Jumbotron during home games and pretty much all over the Penguins radio network. That is my partner in crime on Saturday mornings and beyond, Josh Getzoff. Josh, thanks for taking the time today. Really looking forward to this. Mets, thanks for having me on. What an introduction. I feel like I have a lot to live up to here now. <laughs> well, hey, man, you do you do it all. You're you're a broadcaster extraordinaire. You're on Penguins TV. <laughs> you do your videos and vignettes. You do so much for them. I don't think that people even realize all that you do. And hey, why don't you just take a moment to just say, you know, some of the duties you have because they hear you doing all of the radio broadcasts, but you do quite a bit of other things that people might not realize. 
Well, yeah, thanks, Matt. I know you and I, obviously, we wear a ton of hats for the, the radio network hosting, as you mentioned, our show on Saturday mornings, which is the highest-rated show, by the way, from the <laughs> 9 to 10 a.m. time slot on the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, and then, obviously, also pregame, postgame, you do the home intermissions, I do the road intermissions uh, on the radio network. And then uh, on top of that, as you mentioned, the uh, Penn's TV duties, which we've been pretty busy with here in the playoffs, uh, doing off-day reports uh, in between each game, which is not the norm, obviously, in the regular season. Uh, and then uh, series previews and then stuff of that sort, too. So definitely been busy and uh, can't complain, though, when you're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a blast to be around uh, the National Hockey League at this time of year. And you got a firsthand look because another another cool thing, I think, that happened with the playoffs is you got the opportunity to go on the road with the team, at least to Columbus, for this round. And you took in what happened last night in Columbus, a 5-4 loss to the Blue Jackets to let them maybe get a little bit of a foothold in this series because the Penguins had jumped up to that 3 to nothing lead. But what did you see from the team last night just in general? The way Was it all just based on the start? It seemed to me they weren't cohesive throughout the game, and the Blue Jackets really just took advantage of that throughout. Yeah, definitely the starts have become a real issue for the Penguins in this series. It's kind of crazy actually seeing how it's transpired game after game, despite them saying all the right things game to game. And it was interesting because I talked to Patrick Hornquist today about it, and I said, you know, a lot of people are talking about the starts, but you guys didn't have a better opportunity all series than you had in game four to have a great start, getting that power play just 17 seconds in. And that was probably the worst power play the Penguins have had uh, the entire series. Uh, the best chance was that shorthanded chance by Carlson from the slot that Flurry had to make the glove save on, uh, whatever it was, a minute and a half into the game. So obviously the starts have been an issue, but I think last night you just saw, and this is a cliche answer, but you just saw a desperate team in Columbus and a Penguin team that obviously wasn't going to go away, as we saw throughout the game, but to me just looked a little sloppy. The passes weren't connecting. Uh, guys were taking extra chances in the offensive end, which seemed a little uncharacteristic. The, I know Ron Hainsey talked about it after the game, after the game but the odd man rushes given the other way uh, to Columbus were startling. It was just very un-Penguin-like uh, to see that transpire over the game last night. And obviously, you know, you give Columbus credit because – their backs were against the wall, and they, and they came out and found a way to beat Mark Andre Fleury uh, four times, and obviously, or excuse me, five times uh, in, in this game. And, and I think that you know you have to tip their cap to them from the desperation standpoint. But obviously, the Penguins uh, know they have to be better going into uh, Thursday night. And I don't think there's any question that they will be, because quite frankly, they couldn't be much worse. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, and I'm glad you brought up the um, the fact that the Blue Jackets were a little bit desperate, because I think sometimes Penguins fans in general would look at this situation and just think it was all just a matter of the way the Penguins played, and you you got to realize it's a pretty good hockey team on the other side, and they make adjustments, they do things a little differently, and I think for me, one of the biggest things they did was, and I know Mike Sullivan talked about this a little bit today, while they still were very aggressive in the way they approached attacking the Penguins and getting on their forecheck and doing some of those things, it seemed like they did what you and I talked about this past weekend. They dipped a little bit away from just trying to be these physical behemoths and just started to play hockey, and they let their skill guys go to work a little bit, and they took full advantage of every mistake that the Penguins made. Every bouncing puck that went uh, against the Penguins ended up in their net, and the Blue Jackets just sort of looked like a team that decided to play hockey rather than trying to just beat the crap out of the Penguins the way they had done throughout this year. Yeah, they did, and I think a lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, as much as Penguins fans probably don't want to give them credit, I think some has to go to John Tortorella because he did make some significant lineup changes, and I don't mean just in the sense of taking out guys like Scott Hartnell and putting in guys like Kyle Quincy uh, and Marcus Nutavara. Obviously, Nutavara scored a goal in that game, uh, but I think what he did that really jumped out to me was he went away from that Dubinsky on Crosby matchup last night 
and he puts William Carlson head-to-head with the Crosby line, and Carlson had probably his best game of his life uh, against the Penguins <laughs> last night with a goal and an assist, I believe, maybe even two assists. I know he had a multi-point game, uh, clearly scored that huge one in the beginning of the third period when the Pens were really surging there at the end of the second and seemed like they maybe were going to tie that game up. Uh, he scores 27 seconds into the third, uh, and obviously, even though the Penguins did get back within one, that goal was a killer as far as any kind of comeback attempt was going to be concerned. But I'm with you. I, I think that the Blue Jackets definitely got back to just playing hockey uh, last night, and I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had nothing to lose. There was no – I mean, there was pressure there to, to come through and not get swept, but I think in the sense of just playing the game – they didn't have anything to gain or, or lose from a, a game last night, and I think they put that on display in that one. Yeah, they weren't trying to send a message so much as going out and actually trying to win a hockey game. And you were right. right. Uh, William Carlson had uh, a goal and an assist for himself, but he was a plus three last night, which was just impressive for a young player to have that kind of performance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, for me, and I don't know where you fall on this, looking at the game, the Penguins were right there, almost had a chance to win it. And I almost feel like it's best that they ended up losing because when you win a game that way where you really had no business trying to find a way to come up with a victory in that situation, it could make you maybe be blind to the bad habits or to the warts that might be there in your game a little bit. And we've seen some of that through the first three, and they've come out on the right side of the equation. And this one really sounds like it made them take a pretty good and solid look at themselves where they're now going to maybe try and revamp and fix up some of these things that have gone against them by losing that game. It it maybe opened eyes a little bit. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on, and I agree with you in, in twofold on that one. One, it's good for the Penguins, and two, it's got to be a little deflating for the Blue Jackets at this point. I mean, they have so much – they have put so much into these last two games. Clearly, they come out like a house on fire in game three. Then they build up a 3 nothing lead in game four. The Penguins talked about after game four not playing a good game at all. Yet, as you mentioned, they're still down by a goal when it's all said and done there <laughs> uh, in, in that game. So I think Columbus a little bit has to be thinking, geez, I mean, how do we – we win a game, yeah, but how do we put this team away? I mean, they just, they just keep hanging around. And, and as to your point, to the Penguins' credit, they probably learned a hard lesson last night, something they, they knew but maybe needed to be reinforced, as you mentioned. You can come hard and you can have your moments within a game, but if you don't literally put forth a complete effort in these kind of situations, you're not going to be rewarded uh, in the final score, and that was the case last night. I think it's good for them. I think it'll be good coming back here. It's a little bit of a kick in the butt, I think, to come back home and, and now have to play here in front of the fans where they've been so good at PBG Paints Arena all season. Uh, and Columbus obviously dropped the first two games here. And I do think, Mets, when I look at this series, I said this last night on our postgame show, I really am curious to see how Columbus plays tomorrow night because how John Tortorella was talking and how they were talking, it just sounded like, I, I hate to say it like this, but it sounded like they were just going to be satisfied to get a game to feel that victory feeling. That was kind of how it sounded by how they were talking. And I almost wonder whether they'll admit it or not, if they'll come in tomorrow night. And if they do lose, they'll be obviously disappointed to see their season end. But, hey, we won. We won a game. We didn't get swept. That's the kind of vibe that I had from that game last night. And that's not to take anything away from what Columbus will do tomorrow night. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the back of their minds there is a little bit of an exhale, now knowing that they're not going to be swept. That's kind of interesting, too, because he didn't only say that ahead of the game. He said it after the game. And for him to come out as the head coach and talk about, I want them to play their music and get this feeling and do all these things, it's almost as if he looked at this as, now, I don't want to say that he's resigned himself to the fact that his team's going to lose this series, but it sounded that way. And he's already maybe looking at this as a learning experience or a building, you know, a building block moving forward into the future, which probably isn't the best approach, but maybe with young guys it is. I did uh, 
one, I, I did find it interesting that it was only their second playoff victory on home ice in their three trips to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I guess that was important for them to do that for their home crowd where the cannon can blast and do all these kinds <laughs> of things. But for, for me, I, I agree with you. I think the Penguins are going to regroup, come home, be ready for action against the Blue Jackets in their own building where they've proven now over the past season that they can clinch series in Pittsburgh. That wasn't something that always worked so well for them. And I know they dropped that big game five against the San Jose Sharks, but I think they're feeling pretty confident coming into this one. One thing I wanted to ask you about is the, the top line of Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and Connor Sheary. They've been very good. They've been outstanding, actually, throughout the end of the season and into the playoffs. I know Connor Sheary has, what, only one point in his last 11 games or something like that. Or it's one uh, – it's not one point. It's one on the 11 they scored coming into last night. So I don't want to beat him up that fast. But <laughs> right. generally, his offense has dipped a little bit, whereas uh, Sid and, and Gensel's has, has been right there where it's always been. But I almost feel like they're a victim of their own success based on some of the passes they're not completing now. They They just will not ever dump the puck. They seem like they're looking for lateral passes the minute they break into the offensive zone, and the Blue Jackets are really keeping that out and going the other way. I think that was one of the biggest things that worked against that line last night. Yeah, and the Blue Jackets, give them credit, they did a great job of sealing up lanes last night. It was a lot more difficult for the Penguins to find room to maneuver in their end than I think it had been the previous three games. And I think a lot of that had to do with bringing in a guy like Kyle Quincy, who, granted, John Tortorella knocked up for having no speed and not being able to keep up with the Penguins, but he probably knows how to play a little bit better in that kind of a situation uh, than what the Penguins obviously had seen in the previous three games. It wasn't all him. Uh, I was curious to see how they would respond overall to this this uh, Blue Jackets blue line without Zach Wierenski. And with that line, I think last night, you know, as you mentioned, there's so there seems to be this sixth sense with all three of them to once they get the puck, they know where the puck is going next. And you're right, so much of it has been lateral. There hasn't been a whole lot of utilizing the speed. Now, they're totally fine with working the puck towards the circles and below the goal line and obviously maneuvering down there, as we saw in the overtime winner. They do it better than most lines, if not all lines in the NHL, which is obviously saying something given their size. But it's, it's interesting to just watch how they are almost stubborn in a way with how they approach the, uh, the attacking zone. And if it doesn't work, we're going to keep trying to do it. So I think the adjustments will have to be made. That's probably something that's on the, the long list of things the Penguins do want to change from game four to game five. But as Phil Bork and I talked about in our postgame show last night, basically every single thing that happened in that game is a quick fix going into game five. There was nothing in that game that I think you look at and you say, uh-oh, this is a serious problem. Aside from the start and that issue, obviously that's been trickling through here now through four games. But aside from that, I really don't see an issue that the Penguins can't correct going into game number five. Well, and how big is it for them to have that number two line, too, with Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, and Phil Kessel? I mean, I feel like they have really carried a, a big load during this series, combining for 14 points from Kessel and Malkin, and then Brian Rust with the two big goals already as well. So as a unit, that gives coaches on the other bench a lot to think about, because even when you play so outstanding against Sidney Crosby's line, those guys last night combined for five assists somehow, and it didn't even feel like they did much in the game. And the next thing you know, they're just finding ways to be on the score sheet. I know they're getting a little bit of help from the people that are scoring the goals, but generally speaking, that's probably one of the biggest advantages the Penguins have in these playoffs when they've lost Chris Letang is to have a healthy Evgeny Malkin and a healthy Sidney Crosby so that they have those big-time yin and yang going against the opposition. Yeah, that Malkin line has been interesting uh, for me this whole series because I, you hit it on the head right there with the five assists and you don't feel like they produced anything as far as the looking at the score sheet. You're like, oh, yeah, wow, okay, they do have a couple points in this game. Because I'm not saying they're not productive when they're on the ice, 
but it's just silent by how they're producing the points. Like, Evgeny Malkin leads the Stanley Cup playoffs in scoring right now. And yeah. he's he's uh, been doing it, I would say, pretty quietly. I don't remember a point in any of these games where you kind of got that vibe that he had taken it over. And maybe we see that on uh, Thursday night in game five. But I think, to your point, the Penguins are as deep as anybody, uh, definitely as deep as team in the Eastern Conference. I think the only team you maybe could make a case for that's somewhere around where they're at down the middle uh, is uh, Anaheim out west. I, I really think that they're they're probably the next closest team with Getzlaff, Kessler, uh, Vermette and uh, Nate Thompson, they're pretty solid down the middle. But in the East, I don't see a team matching up with them. And I know that's something that's been heavily discussed this series, is once you get past Sidney Crosby, as you mentioned, you have to deal with Evgeny Malkin. And Nick Benino has been no slap. That line, and to me, I, I thought last night was going to be their breakthrough game after game three. But uh, they've been really good, too. Scott Wilson, Patrick Hornquist, and Nick Benino. And then, obviously, what, can you, what more can you say about that fourth line? Uh, oh, yeah. Matt Cullen and uh, Tom Kunako and Carter Rowney, they've been – as effective as anyone getting a goal last night uh, to boot. Um, so I just think that the, that trickle-down effect is certainly worn on the Blue Jackets at times in this series. And I think with having that last change tomorrow night, I know Mike Sullivan's not a huge matchup guy, but in that kind of a game, I think it will make a difference. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And we are we are talking here with Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network. Last couple things here for you, Josh, because I know you're waiting for the Columbus Blue Jackets availability. But you mentioned Carter Rowney. You have told me offline a couple times how highly the coaching staff has thought of this kid or they thought of highly of him even going back to last season. And contractually, they weren't able to bring him up. How important has he been on the fourth line right there? And Matt Cullen seems to get a lot out of guys like him and out of Tom Kunockle, but he gives him a, a great dimension because he can slide in and take face-offs if need be. And I think overall he's created some scoring opportunities for himself and his linemates as well. And I liked his physical aspect uh, earlier in this series, too, that when the Blue Jackets were coming at the Penguins with all guns blazing, he was one of the guys going out there and trying to answer that call and hitting them back a little bit. I've been pretty impressed with him. And do you think he stays in? over a guy like maybe Carl Haglin or Chris Kunitz or are his days numbered if those players get back in? Because I think that would be a tough decision for the coach to make based on the veterans that would be returned. Yeah, it will be a tough decision. I think the main reason Mike Sullivan's put him in there, with all due respect to his play down the stretch because it was really good, uh, is because he's a secondary face-off option there. Now you basically have five centers in your lineup with being able to shift him over to the right wing on that fourth line, and Mike Sullivan said that. And as you mentioned, I mean, this coaching staff loves this guy. They really felt like last year, uh, if he wouldn't have been on an AHL deal, he could have been a part of that team that went on to win the Stanley Cup and could have potentially played a role on the ice uh, for that team that went on to win the Stanley Cup. That's how highly they believe in him and in his game. And, you know, he's been physical in this series, but he's been smart about his physicality. He's not taking runs at guys, but he's lighting guys up. And he, he, he can throw <laughs> his body around. I mean, he's a massive man. Uh, and he can he can make some impacts there in the physical physicality department. Uh, but I really think he's he's added a nice dimension for them, not just with the size, but also with the smarts uh, and the physicality as well, as we mentioned. It does give them a nice dynamic there on that right wing, on that fourth line. And I think that that's the main thing. When you look at his option of being able to take faceoffs, when you look at how good of a penalty killer he's really become and trustworthy for the Penguins here, and then obviously the physical component and the size, I think that was what gave him the nod initially over a guy like Josh Archibald, maybe, who was competing with him for that spot on the fourth line. And when, you know, when Carl Hagelin comes back, I think it's probably fair to say that he's, he may be the first guy off the lineup. It's one of those things where it's an embarrassment of riches for the Penguins, and you're, you're just going to have to take somebody out because I think Hagelin definitely comes back in. Chris Kunitz, probably the same situation. 
But I know the Penguins are definitely going to be in a good situation because whenever you can take a guy like that out and replace him with a guy like Carl Haglin or Chris Kunitz, you're definitely having a bonus in that department. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And um, really quick, a thought on Marc-Andre Fleury's play, Josh, because I know he's allowed nine goals in his last two games. But for me, I think that's just more of a team statistic. I think he's been pretty pretty outstanding for the club through these four games and really giving them a chance to win each and every one of them. Yeah, we were saying last night that uh, when you started the series, uh, everyone was pointing to, I know you and I talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago on our show, that Sergei Bobrovsky was the biggest key for the Blue Jackets to win this series. And I don't think there's any question that Marc-Andre Fleury has outdueled him uh, through the first four games, and, and pretty heavily uh, at times, uh, with how well he's played in this series. You know, he, he wasn't spectacular uh, in game four, but the Penguins were not, were not in front of him, as you mentioned. You look through the goals. I mean, obviously the uh, Johnson goal that starts it off goes cr- off Crosby's skate and goes in. Uh, Josh Anderson's goal in the final minute of the first period, I believe, hit Ron Hainsey's skate or stick and, and trickled through his five hole. Uh, the new Navarro goal was probably one he'd want to have back. Maybe a little bit of an overcommitment on his part on the uh, fifth goal, but uh, and, and obviously a weird bounce on the Carlson goal, but probably something he should have been in position for. So I mean, it's definitely goals that maybe he would want back. But I don't know if you can necessarily tack it all on him, uh, given the effort in front of him, as you mentioned. I think he'll be just fine uh, going back home, hearing those flurry chants in Game 5 in PPG Paints Arena. Yeah, that's going to be a blast to take in, and we'll both be there tomorrow night bringing everybody all the action on the radio network. Josh, thank you so much for this. I know you have to run. You've got some availability upcoming here, but I appreciate you taking the time. And let's do this again down the line here uh, as we move through the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me. Always have a blast talking with you. Yeah, it's always a blast for me, too. Thanks again. And that was uh, Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network and myself getting together, talking a little Penguins puck that's fun for us to do. We We love doing that show together on Saturday mornings. And as you can tell, we're never at a lack for things to talk about. But thank you to him again for taking the opportunity to join me here on the show. Uh, Don't forget to look Josh up on Twitter at PensJG and follow everything that he does for the Penguins and all the other stuff that he does. I know he pops up on radio shows around the city, etc. Just the way that a number of us do and you can see where and when he's going to be via his Twitter. Be sure to follow him, look for him at the games, listen for him on the on the radio network. Uh, just a great job by him all the time. Uh, with that, I just wanted to quickly catch you up on some of the other series going on around the National Hockey League. Tonight should be a fun uh, night of action. The Capitals go back into Toronto looking to get themselves tied up in the series with the Maple Leafs who now lead that two games to one. Feasibly could be up three games to none in that series. And if they take the three game to one lead tonight, that's going to make the Uh, Washington fan base and everybody around the Washington Capitals panic quite a bit because this has been an ongoing thing with that team uh, faltering in the Stanley Cup playoffs and it's um, a little tenuous right now with that young upstart Maple Leafs team led by uh, head coach Mike Babcock. This is far and above more than anybody could have anticipated them to do this season. And they're really playing well uh, when it counts against the Washington Capitals. The uh, well, Ottawa Senators, and forgive me for those pauses, but I'm dealing with, I think it's allergies or a cold, I'm not sure, but it's really taken its toll on me here today. You may be hearing that in my voice, my voice a little bit. The Senators go back into Boston, looking to take a three games to one lead there. They've played uh, a pretty high level of hockey against the Boston Bruins, and Eric Carlson has been at the forefront of that. Mike Hoffman, two big goals the other night for them. I think uh, he's really coming into his own. That was probably his finest playoff game, scoring the two goals. He had eight shots on goal, and uh, 
uh, that team's really coming together at the right time of the season. The Wild looking to get themselves back into the series against St. Louis Blues in St. Louis. They're down three games to none. And then, of course, the Flames in that same situation trying to claw back against the Anaheim Ducks, who have been a big-time test for them. You heard Getzoff uh, talking about that during our interview moments ago. And they're a team that is very tough for anyone to handle with their centers, their defense. Everything works so well for them. Flames down three games to none there. As uh, far as the other series, you have the um, the Canadians and Rangers. They are now tied at two games apiece with that looking like it is um, sort of an evenly matched series. The Rangers looked really bad at times. They look good at others. Same for the Canadians. We'll see how that works out. And then the Sharks make a statement against the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. 7 to nothing win to tie that series at two games apiece as well. The uh, Oilers looked like they were going to maybe take advantage of the old legs of the Sharks. Not to ha- not to, uh, not going to happen. Sharks come back, tied at two, and they really exerted their force last night in doing a fine job against the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid with a little bit of a meltdown in that game. He wasn't very happy with the way things were going. We'll see how that works out moving forward if he continues to do that. I know they started to take a, a number of... Um, undisciplined penalties. You saw a, um, a spearing incident in the game where um, it was uh, Dreisaitl speared Chris Tierney right in the groin. It looked a lot like the one that Brad Marchand was suspended for, so I sort of anticipate that happening again. Let's get into your Twitter question for the show today, and it comes from our friend Needles Heel. He's in every show. You can get in as well. Hashtag BCT Pens Pod, and we'll answer your question, but I love that Chris gets in each and every week. He said, like yourself, I grew up in the best era of hockey in the 80s to mid-90s, all great until the New Jersey Devils nearly destroyed the NHL, creating the dead puck era with the trap. We're witnessing multiple goal games in this year's uh, playoffs. Thanks to the Pens bringing back uh, creating skating and with teams copying them, are we finally going to see better skillful NHL moving forward? Well, I'd like to think so, Chris, because... Uh, there's there's a lot to like about the way that the league is playing right now. I do love that the offensive players are able to play. Still tightening up quite a bit in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but um, generally speaking, the goals are still there. So I hope that it is something we're going to see. There's been a lot of speed on display, a lot of skill on display, and some of that comes just with the youth of the um, the players that are out there. So it's been a blast to see that all playing out, and I think that there could be something to that, Chris. So I hope that we do see a better and uh, just a faster version of hockey, more skilled, etc. Because guys like Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, all these players are going to play a lot longer and at a higher level if they're not being accosted, shift in and shift out. So thank you for that, Chris. Don't forget, you can also tweet in your questions. Hit me at Brian underscore Metzer. We'll get your question on a future edition of the show. Just hashtag it BCT Pens Pod. Um, with that, let's get your news of the weird. And this week, it's... Um, you know those old movies, the old uh, films that showed people getting a pet alligator and dumping it down a storm drain uh, via flushing it down the toilet or something like that? And people always says it's just an urban legend. There aren't actually alligators living in the, uh, the, the sewers and the drainage systems of cities. Well, 
An alligator just crawled out of a Louisiana storm drain. And this came um, just the other day from the Associated Press. An alligator has been wrangled after crawling out of a storm drain in Louisiana. WWL reports a seven-foot alligator emerged from a drain in Jefferson Parish on Monday after heavy rains. The drain was located behind an elementary school that wasn't holding class because of spring break. The alligator did move around, but Bucktown resident Hazel Porter described it as mainly just chilling. Video obtained by WWL shows a group of Bucktown residents detaining the alligator by lassoing its neck and trying the rope or and tying the rope to a nearby pole as the creature thrashes. Stephen uh, Nicholson, a witness, says wildlife professionals arrived and taped its mouth shut. The Wranglers placed the bound alligator in a pickup truck and planned to relocate it. So uh, that was your news of the weird, and I would freak out if I saw an alligator coming out of a storm drain anywhere where I was. That's nothing you want to run into. But that was your news of the weird, and with that, that was your latest edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. We will be back next Wednesday with another edition of the show. We hope maybe we'll know what's happening with the Penguins. Will they have advanced by then? I think they will have or or won't have. We'll know because I believe game seven, if need be, is slated for Tuesday night. So um, hopefully the Penguins get this wrapped up in game five and get themselves some much needed R&R ahead of round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But as you know, we will be back again next Wednesday, so you better be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. Killer.